At Disability Rights Arkansas, we are focused on guidance for people with disabilities on how to navigate your rights, things that help with your everyday life, and how to navigate the complex systems of how to get the support you need. In this podcast, including you, we bring that information directly to you, the listener, on things like accessibility questions, career and care, and even the nuances of love life with a disability. Everyone has the right to know their rights. Everyone, including you. I'm your host, Lainey Jennings Hall. Natural disasters can happen anywhere and to anyone. They don't discriminate. But when the power is out or transportation is limited, or when you're isolated from others, it can be detrimental for the disability community. We are here with Logan Perks from Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, to talk about how FEMA can help people with disabilities and how we can prepare in case of said disasters. Logan, thank you so much for joining me today on Including You. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so Logan, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your role at FEMA? Yes, I'd love to. So again, my name is Logan Perks, and I'm a disability integration specialist for FEMA Region 6. And FEMA Region 6 covers, of course, Arkansas, also Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico. I work in emergency preparedness for people with disabilities And then I also deploy and respond when there's a federally declared disaster. I also have personal experience. I became disabled as a child. And so I used that lived experience to make me better at my job. So I know what it's like to see general advice out there that's given to people with disabilities during disasters and kind of get frustrated because I feel like it doesn't always apply to me. So, for example, where I live, we occasionally get extreme winter weather. And so I always hear on the news to shut off your water so that your pipes don't freeze. But for me, that would be incredibly difficult because you have to do that outside your house. And I remember I went and I bought the tool that you need to shut off the water. And I can only use one hand. And I was thinking, there's no way that I could do this by myself. So I think there's still the assumption and advice given in the emergency management community that most people are able-bodied and have the ability to do all of the recommendations that they provide. And that is how I became passionate about emergency management. I really think that's a great point. It's these general thoughts to come out, oh, hey, you can do this, or hey, shelter in place here, or why don't you just evacuate to this location when that may not be possible if there's not those accommodations in place. Can you talk maybe a little bit about how FEMA is able to support people with disabilities in these kind of instances? Sure. FEMA, we have an Office of Disability Integration and Coordination, and that office, it supports the entire agency, and it provides guidance to support disaster survivors and programs. That includes any housing mission, if people who've been impacted by a disaster need housing from FEMA, or any grant assistance that individuals or nonprofits, governments may receive from FEMA. So this office ensures that these programs are factoring in the needs of people with disabilities. 
we send advisors who are trained with helping people with disabilities to make sure that their needs are being factored in. One of the things that advisors do is go out to recovery centers and make sure that they're accessible for people with disabilities, making sure that staff know how to provide interpreters if anyone who is deaf needs to access services. So those are just some examples of how that office supports disaster survivors with disabilities. And then at the regional level, I support preparedness activities with community engagement and outreach. And so I attend awareness events. I can lead trainings on preparedness for people with disabilities. I also work with state and local partners to include people with disabilities in emergency planning and response. So Logan, I want to ask just because as we were preparing for this podcast, talking about trainings, and I really hadn't thought about this within natural disasters, the extreme heat being one of the big trainings that FEMA is doing right now. Yes. On certain months, FEMA a lot of times will highlight at the national level certain topics that are relevant. Extreme heat, I think, is the one for right now. And obviously, that has a huge impact on everyone, people with disabilities, especially our senior citizens and the older population can be disproportionately impacted by heat as well. This heat is not playing right now. Yes. Every year it seems to get worse and worse. And so it's definitely something to be aware of. And we'll get into later some resources for how to stay aware of things like heat and other hazards out there. There's a lot of natural disasters in Arkansas, flooding, ice storms. How should people with disabilities plan for these disasters? The number one thing is to be aware. Because if you don't know what's going on, then it's really hard to plan. Most of us these days have smartphones. And so having the right apps and the most accurate information about how dangerous it is outside gives a warning for people so they know to stay hydrated. It's a dangerous level of heat. The FEMA app has information when there is a federally declared disaster, like in Arkansas, you can apply for services through the app, and it has the locations of the disaster recovery centers. So it's just a great one-stop shop for disaster alerts, warnings, and then FEMA services. Here in Arkansas, we do have a lot of rural communities that may not have access to some of those things. Do you have any recommendations maybe for those without that access? If someone doesn't have a smartphone, then they can watch local television, listen to the radio. Also, ask family or friends, neighbors to keep them updated because usually they'll know someone maybe who has a smartphone or is more interested in technology. And that is really a great source of information because I know sometimes people watch news maybe in the evening. And so that's not always the most up-to-date information if things are happening during the day. I would say let people know that you want to receive that information. Also, you can sign up for alert systems where they'll notify via text message. Here in Greenbrier, I've been impressed with some of the more local texts. That's great because a lot of times the text will work even if it's not a smartphone. So that's a great system that a lot of local governments are coming out with. Staying aware 
is just knowing what part of the state you're in in Arkansas. Certain parts of the state may be impacted by earthquakes. The other parts of the state may be more impacted by flooding or tornadoes. So just knowing your specific area will really help you know how to prepare. And then knowing based on your disability, what your needs are. So if you're a wheelchair user, knowing, okay, I need to make sure that I take my transfer board in case I'm going to a shelter because it's not very likely they're going to have that. Or if you take life-sustaining medication, make sure you have that available in your emergency kit. And then for your stay-at-home preparations, I recommend flashlights, which can work for some people. Like I said, I can only use one hand. So I have headlamps or a neck light so that I can still use my hand. And I find those are helpful for everybody because you don't want to be holding a flashlight if you don't need to. It gives frees up your hands. So there's a lot of technology out there that you can use that I think is more user-friendly for people with disabilities. Preparing is really about problem solving for people with disabilities. And we do that every day anyway. So it's just applying that skill set to disability. It's emergency preparedness. You talked about an emergency kit. Do you have any other recommendations that have been helpful for having to shelter in place? Generally, they recommend having maybe five to seven days worth of water. We've had water contamination problems occasionally from power shutdowns or other natural disasters. And so they'll have a boil water notice. But to me, that's really challenging. They can't lift heavy pots of water. And so when I buy extra water, I buy the individual sized water, even though that's not so convenient, but I can manage those easier for myself. It goes back to what is manageable. I always like to plan for being alone, even though I don't live alone. Because you just never know. You could get separated from someone in your household or you could have to separate. So I like to be able to make sure that if I am alone, that I can take care of myself. That's a great point. What do you say to people with disabilities who think it's too hard to prepare for something that isn't very likely to happen? I can understand that sentiment. We do get a lot of warnings. And things don't always come up. You would rather be ready if it does happen. And like you said, there were the recent tornadoes in Arkansas. And most people that were impacted probably didn't expect that to happen to them. So you just never know. So I always say it's better to be prepared because when you prepare for a disaster, even a large disaster like an earthquake or a tornado, you're using skills and developing plans that you can use for smaller disasters. So it's really not that hard to sit down with your household members or caregivers and come up with an evacuation plan, write down emergency contact numbers, decide which person is going to handle which task in an emergency. If it's a teen with autism, she can be assigned the responsibility to help her grandmother get to a safe spot if there's a tornado warning. It can be a family activity that can be made fun even. 
there's some national preparedness events. The Great Shakeout is a national drill where everyone in the country prepares for an earthquake at the same time. So I think there's ways to make it more interesting and fun and doesn't take a lot of time. And if you think about it, we all prepare for disasters and emergencies at school and at work. We had fire drills. We think about our evacuation plans. We even time ourselves and we turn it into somewhat of a game. And so I think if we're doing that at work and school, why not do it at home? I think that if we all did that, it could really go a long way in terms of safety. And the other thing I found is it's helped me be more organized. If I did have to leave the house really quickly, I should have everything in one spot. Now I have all my important documents one place. I know where they are. So when I need them for other things like a doctor's appointment, I know exactly where my insurance card is. It's in this packet where I have everything else. I know where my passport is. I need to book a flight. So being prepared for disasters or emergencies is useful for other situations too. You made a couple of really good points that I want to touch on. You talked about the tornadoes and the tornado warnings and having a tornado plan definitely would have been useful. Here I was with a toddler corralling her and two senior beagles into a closet trying to make a game of a tea party underneath a mattress because there's a tornado on the way. Had I been prepared and been a little more organized, I would have known we've got this already prepared. Everyone in the family knows where we go and, and plan to get you organized for other things too. Making sure your medications and your important paperwork are available. For me, my medication list and all of my contact information for all my doctors, it's in my phone. Yes, definitely. Handwriting things seems old fashioned, but it does come in handy. Are there other resources for people with disabilities to prepare for disasters? Yeah, so I had mentioned earlier the FEMA app, and it's a great resource for people with disabilities. It was redesigned to make it more user-friendly for people with disabilities, so it has a lot more photos, and it's written in plain language, so it's more accessible for deaf people and anyone with a cognitive disability. It has a lot of educational information. So things you were talking about, like our awareness campaigns on heat and other types of awareness campaigns so people can learn about hazards. Also, ready.gov is the main preparedness site out there, and it has a section specific to people with disabilities and for families and also for pets. It's also good to think about your animals and what you would do with your animals in an emergency. I have a cat and cats are a lot harder to corral than dogs usually. A great Arkansas resource is the Governor's Council on Developmental Disabilities website has an excellent video about preparedness, and they also have a checklist that is available in English, Spanish, and also Marshallese for the large Marshallese population there in Arkansas. So I highly recommend that resource. And then one last thing that people often don't think of is to contact their local emergency managers. They can reach out to them and just introduce themselves 
if they feel like in a disaster, they may need special assistance because of their disabilities. They can just talk to their local office and find out what resources are available or if they have any advice for them about what they should do. Your best resources are your local resources. Look, that's a great point. I also want to add, DRA is working on a resource here for Arkansas as well. We're creating an emergency preparedness website resource that does link to FEMA. And it's got some additional links as well. We do have videos from FEMA that you guys have released when a natural disaster does occur. And then we will have a form that you can submit all of your emergency information, your pets, your contact information, your caregiver's contact information, your medication printed out and documented. Yeah, that's great. It's good to have a hard copy. And I also will email it to myself. That way, if I'm on someone else's computer, I can access it via my email. That's a great note. So what are some common barriers for people with disabilities during and after disasters that you've experienced in your line of work? Transportation is always a big one. During a disaster, people with disabilities may have more challenges evacuating, especially if they're wheelchair users or they have walkers or other durable medical equipment they need to take with them. They might already struggle with accessible transportation. And then as we know, usually transportation options available aren't on demand. They're scheduled rides. So that's a barrier that people with disabilities face. Often people with disabilities have fewer financial resources, especially if they receive SSI benefits. They're not allowed to save any money or have more than $2,000 in their bank account. So if they lose all of their belongings in a disaster, They don't have a savings that they can purchase new things to replace what they've lost. And so that's why it's harder for people with a very low income with disabilities to be resilient after a disaster. And then, of course, people who have Medicaid, Medicare, or even other health insurance programs, it can be hard to get replacement medications or durable medical equipment. That's a challenge that some other people don't have to deal with. FEMA can provide some extra funding for people with disabilities to replace items. We are trying to distribute our funds in an equitable way. And we do have advisors that are out in the field. And then we partner with the state and local agencies. So one final question. You had mentioned in your introduction that how you got involved was through personal experience. That's how you got into your line of work. How can people with disabilities get involved with emergency preparedness and response and recovery? That's a great question. Emergency managers and agencies are interested to hear from people with disabilities and get our input. And so one way that people with disabilities can get involved in their local communities is by something called CERT. And that stands for Community Emergency Response Teams. 
And those are volunteer programs where you are trained in some basic skills that if there was ever a disaster, then your team would be deployed to potentially help until some responders could get there. For example, um, you might help with search and rescue, disaster mental health, things like that. It's a very empowering program and it's a welcoming program. Take people of all abilities and skill levels and interests. So whatever you're able to contribute, you can contribute to the CERT teams. That's one way to get involved and learn more about emergency management. And then FEMA has committees that are always seeking members for input on emergency management, emergency preparedness. I'm not sure right now if Arkansas has any committees, but your local city or county emergency management offices have local committees that you could join to provide input. I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. And as you continue to have more disasters, the interest is going to keep growing at the grassroots level. People are going to become more engaged in the disability community. Well, and as you said, who knows better what type of change needs to happen in these type of recovery efforts after a disaster than the people with the lived experience. And there's also the Red Cross. It's always seeking volunteers. So when there is a disaster, you can provide guidance and advice on assisting people with disabilities. So there really are opportunities. I know a lot of them initially are unpaid, but then it can lead to paid opportunities like working for FEMA. A lot of city, counties, and states are starting to hire paid positions in disability and access and functional need in emergency managers. If you feel like it's a career that might interest you, then I would say go for it. It's very fulfilling and it's a good way to start. Logan, we really appreciate you joining us today on including you and sharing all of this great information. Listeners, we will make sure that we share all of the links and resources that Logan has talked about today. Logan, thank you so much for all of this information today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Logan for joining me today on Including You. And thank you, listeners. Disasters don't discriminate. They hit hard, especially within the disability community. But that doesn't mean we can't prepare and respond. How can we ensure that people with disabilities are better represented with larger emergency preparedness plans? By making sure people with disabilities are involved in the planning on the front end. At Disability Rights Arkansas, we envision an Arkansas where people with disabilities are equal members in their communities and can dictate their lives through self-determination. And as made clear in this podcast, we can't create that change without bringing self-advocates to the table. If you are interested in more information, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating and a review.